you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Some things don't change, right? You can go generation to generation. The things that were happening in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, in the 60s and the 70s, it seems like we as humans just can't seem to learn that lesson. So today's gospel is really a challenge, and uh, thanks, Brad, for reading that. Um, uh, it really challenges and speaks to us and talks to us about um, our, our believing that salvation is only about having uh, information or practices or traditions or that perhaps salvation is solely based on good behavior. And um, I think the gospel for today reminds us that having this type of belief can blind us and uh, make us think that we're standing uh, on something safe when in fact it's very dangerous ground when we forget that we ourselves are in need of grace and mercy. Today's gospel lesson is inviting us to see that perhaps in the kingdom of God, it's not what you know that is as valuable as how you love. And this love, this mercy and grace that you give to others is only equal to the love, grace, and mercy that you are aware that you need yourself. Um, I'm going to go off script here. The Beatles have that one song, I think it's in uh, Abbey Road. The, the love you take is equal to the love you give, something like that. Anyway, that just popped in my head. <laughs> I love the Beatles, so we got to have something from them. This young lawyer comes to Jesus wanting to somehow test and perhaps demonstrate to Jesus his intellect, his craft at knowing the law and the writings. And he puts to Jesus a very basic question. 
hey, what must I do to have eternal life? How do I know I'm in? Right? It's pretty easy. I love how Jesus turns the question around and puts it on him. You've read. You've studied. What do you think? What have you found? What have you discovered? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I can just imagine Jesus, you know, very good, man. You got it. That's it. Now do this, and you will live. And I want you to notice right away that Jesus has reframed what it means to have eternal life. Not eternal life as something that happens to you a long way from now after you die. Because this was the question, what must I do to inherit after I die? And Jesus rephrases it and brings him back and he defines eternal life as an experience that happens here and now in what you do and how you live. Every, every two or three years, um, I get a call. And it's this guy, it's this older gentleman, not older, just, you know, and he, he's in a panic, always in a panic. I need to talk to a pastor. I need to talk to a pastor today. Sure, we set up a time, he comes. Um, and he always comes in worried. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I, he, you know, this is it. This is what's pressing on him. I'm worried. I just don't know. He brings with him his big Bible study, uh, other books, notebooks, uh, you know, all his writings. By glancing at his Bible, I can tell he's written notes on the margins. And all of our meetings, for the most part, end the same way. He is a bit less worried, never really goes away, a bit more assured, quickly wanting to scribble down the words that I reassure him with. You see, this question that the lawyer places uh, before Jesus is so basic. It's so easy. Everyone around knows the answer. This is not some kind of trick, magic question. Every child in Israel knows the answer. It takes no degree, no, really no studying. You learn this from your mom and dad. This isn't a trap question. In our day today, we would say, uh, you know, just love God and love people. That's it, right? We, we would just, we just know that. It's not that hard. It, it gets so commonplace that it, it even gets a little watered down. And perhaps we don't even know it. We would say things like, just go to church and be nice to people who are nice to you. You're good. Read your Bible. Give the church some money every now and then. You know, go to spy or, or help build that habitat and you're fine. You're good. And in his day, the lawyer perhaps felt secured. You're right, I'm good. I'm in. I've got nothing to worry about. I go to temple. I keep Sabbath. I give alms to the poor or I share a meal or bread with my Jewish neighbors. I volunteer. What's, what's missing? 
I'm in. But what he did not like was that Jesus turned the situation around and the lawyer became the defendant, having to answer questions and defend how good he is. So the lawyer has one more question. And scripture tells us that he asked this question not because he's curious or he wants to learn more, but he wants to be justified. He wants to, he wants Jesus to say the words, you're in, you're good, you got it. And who is my neighbor? In my first game of paintball many years ago, <laughs> I froze. So I did not realize two things about paintball. We'd gone to, uh, you know, you just shoot paintballs against a target or a wall. It's, that's cool. One, I didn't realize how intense people get. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude, they want to kill you. And number two, I didn't never realize how much those little balls hurt. Dude. So the whole game of paintball is like capture the flag, right? You got to move, capture that flag. I think you have to come back to base or something like that. You know, I, obviously at, at some point I didn't really care. <laughs> but what I did do is as we were moving, I found a good spot. I was protected from incoming stuff and I, I, I had a good view where I could shoot. So I froze and I kind of stopped and I, I didn't want to leave that place. It was a safe place for me. But the problem is that paintball is not about finding a good, safe place. It's about moving and advancing and trying to get over there. Uh, of course, as soon as I moved, I got shot. <laughs> so the next few games were better for me, but uh, man, that first game was rough. And uh, I, yeah, I never went back. Paintball is too crazy. I, I think this lawyer found a safe spot in which he, he stood and he could stand and feel righteous. Um, he loves God only in that he knows the rules and you know, he knows the law. He knows what the writings say. Uh, he's nice to people, to his neighbors and people who are nice to him. Uh, for all he knows, he has eternal life. He's got it. He's done. It's those poor uh, people out there who are, you know, not Jewish and don't know the law who are really in trouble. So, Jesus, let's, let's go. Let's go get them. Let's talk to those people. Jesus responds in a way that I don't think anybody in, around, that, uh, around, around them expected. Jesus responds by grabbing this lawyer and throwing him into a ditch. And basically, Jesus is saying, imagine it was you that was robbed. Imagine it was you that was stripped and powerless on the verge of death. In his paper, The Lawyer's Second Question, Thomas Long writes, and it's on the screen because it's pretty long. 
Sometimes preachers are prone to portray this lawyer as puffed up with pride, as a man who thought of himself as holier than thou and thus take great satisfaction in Jesus, knocking this lawyer off his high horse. But that seems to be a near miss. The issue here seems less like pride versus humility and more like standing versus moving. Like most of us who want to be respectable, this lawyer had found a place to stand. The lawyer depended upon the concepts, love God and love neighbor, to remain fixed and stable, a system of religious justification. And again, like most of us, he had found a sweet spot in that religious system that allowed him to be satisfied with himself and his life. He was, in short, a person who did not need to move. And when asked, who is my neighbor, he expected Jesus to reinscribe that system and thus to show that the lawyer was already standing in a good spot, that he was, in fact, justified. But Jesus proclaims a kingdom on the move. His face is set towards Jerusalem, toward the place of suffering and rejection and killing and resurrection. He is on the move toward the cross and toward a lost humanity. Jesus was not born to justify the righteous. He was born, as the angels over Bethlehem proclaimed, to be a savior. In Jesus, the system is not standing still. God is moving toward humanity in mercy and calling humanity to move toward God in repentance. So many times we find a spot to stand, a safe place where we have some sort of standing. Perhaps it's during a paintball game. But we do this with religion. We do this with relationships. Yeah, I'm not the one with the problem. You are. I'm, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm spot. You're the, you know, addict. You're the one with this. You're the... We do this with nationalism. As long as I stand and, and respect a national symbol, then there's nothing wrong with me. It's you who is not... We throw words out like, you're not the one who's a patriot because I stand. We do this. We find safe spots. And then we're confident in those spots and we expect God to pat us on the back and say, good job. You got it right. Good job. You have the right belief. Good job. You're a law and order person. Good job. You respect national symbols. And yet, Jesus does not intend violence on this lawyer. He needs him to see himself as not one who stands on his own righteousness, attained by what he knows or, or, or who he, who, what school he uh, went to or what rabbi he studied under or how nice he is to people. Jesus needs him to see himself as a man no different than the people he regards as sinners, as outsiders, or let alone those hated Samaritans. 
He wanted to see himself and his system of rules and traditions as just and good and deserving of righteousness. And yet those very structures, the priest, the Levite, could not rescue him. Those structures that this man was counting on for eternal life would not, could not get him out of that ditch. It was the hated Samaritan, the half-Jewish person who this lawyer were not, would not even want to speak to, let alone touch. Religious systems cannot save you. Going to church cannot save you. What you know cannot save you. It is only the grace and mercy of Jesus the Christ who can mend your life, pour, pour salve on your wounds, carry you, place you in safety. It is his grace, his love, and his mercy, God's grace, love, and mercy that saves humanity and all of creation. Thomas Long writes again. I'm only quoting it because it's good. I know. It is important to keep in view that the story Jesus told the lawyer was a parable. Keep that in mind. It's a parable. It is not an example story. If it were an example story, then the moral would be the Samaritan did a good deed. Now go imitate him in your life. To which the lawyer could no doubt have replied, I already do. I help the wounded and the weary. I'm a good person like that Samaritan. I care for my neighbor. The moral of Jesus' story is not to imitate the Samaritan because you are already a good person. The moral is that only when we have had the experience of being rescued by grace can we really become like the Samaritan. And like Christ himself in showing mercy and compassion. You simply cannot give something away that you have not experienced and received. Each and every time that this man comes into my office, I give him the same words. Salvation is relational. It is not about having the right answers. Salvation is saying yes to the invitation God gives everyone to sit and share at the divine table. It is about hospitality, rest, openness, welcoming, kinship. This is a banquet of belonging both receiving love and giving love here and now in how you live. To gain eternal life is to be living here and now in relationship with all, especially those whom you feel or you see as less worthy. 
See, the answer to the question, who is my neighbor, is a very simple one. You. You are the neighbor. Anybody that you meet, you become a neighbor to them. It's not who is my neighbor out there who is worthy of receiving. It has to change you. If you are full of love and grace and mercy, then it doesn't really matter who you meet. Right? It's not on them to be defined. It's on you, on us. God is not wishing we get the rules right or learn the religious system. But rather, he is desiring that we enter and imitate this relational love that exists within the Trinity. And we live this love out with all people and creation. Once inside this relational love, we come to quickly see that there is simply no one who can be excluded from it. They can choose to not participate, but the invitation is always there. We have seen images these last months images of men who are still in ditches. And these images have broken my heart. They've broken my heart because I am an immigrant. I was not born here. It is only by God's grace that this is not my story. And we've been told by lesser men that there are people in our world whose lives do not matter, whose dignity is not ours to keep, who are to be considered outsiders, foreigners, Samaritans, unworthy of our care and grace. You see, when we place nationalism above people, we are no longer having the mind of Christ and following in his spirit. When we draw lines of distinction between who is worthy and who is not, we have lost kinship and the very essence of being called followers of Christ. The gospel reminds me and tells me and brings me back to an essential truth. We are all looking for the same thing, safety, belonging to be counted. Now, I'm not here to argue political views or, or what is right or, or immigration laws. That's not my place, and it's never the place of this pulpit. I'm just here sharing that this text is talking to me, and I hope it's talking to you. It is reminding me that when I stand on systems, whether they are religious, political, any type of system, and I, and I rely on that system to make me feel like I am the right person, and if you're not part of this system, then you are the wrong person. I've lost something. I've stopped living. I've stopped becoming human. And God is nowhere. God is not in that. Those systems should never serve as a place for the people of God to stand on. 
to, to feel righteous or godly. Because Jesus is telling us, imagine that that is your brother, your husband, that that is your son. He's, he's pleading with us, see the outsider as God sees them, and like this Samaritan, be moved with pity and imitate the Samaritan and Jesus in showing mercy and compassion. If you read the Old Testament, Moses would constantly remind his people, love and care and provide for the foreigner, for the alien, for you were aliens yourself, for you were strangers yourself. When we forget who we are, what we've been through, what we've come through, then we build something around us and go, well, that's not me. Now, you know that no sermon of mine would be complete without a quote from Father Boyle. So here we go. No daylight to separate us. Only kinship. Inching ourselves closer to creating a community of kinship such that God may recognize it. Soon we imagine with God this circle of compassion. Then we imagine no one standing outside of that circle, moving ourselves closer to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. So go, go and be the neighbor. Be reminded that he rescued you from the ditch, that he healed you, and he is restoring you. Stand with those on the margins at the edge. Tell your sisters and your brothers that they can lean on you. <laughs> 